Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Welcome back to another episode with Three Musketeers podcast. Uh, it's myself, Hamid, and Hessam with yet another amazing story. Today, we have a guest, uh, which I'm super honoured, Rene Perkins, the CEO of City Mass, who was also recently named the Tech Round BAME 50 Under 50. So I want to start by congratulating you, Rene, but also pass on the mic to yourself to give us an intro about you know who you are what the city mass stands for and just a bit of background about uh, yourself yeah sure hi as Amit introduced me that i am the ceo and co-founder of city mass it's a startup headquartered in london with the visions to transform accessible living for people with disabilities using technology well um a bit of introductions myself i am actually professionally background is from financial service and originally from china came over to the UK, studied, go to uni for first degree, second degree, then got a job and, and stayed behind. Now I have two two young daughters and got married to an Englishman and, and settled in the UK where I call home. And City Mass was an, an idea back in 2018 where we sort of see the struggle from disabled children fostered by my mother-in-law in terms of travel, in terms of living. And the whole world, obviously, is, you know, designed and worked in a way for majority of the people. Uh, yeah. When I talk about majority of people, able-bodied people, but when you think about it, and when we did our research and, and deep dive in this topic in 2018, we realized actually in the UK alone, we have 14 million people disabled. And that's not including situationally disabled, like if you have an accident and ski trip, that you have to be on wheelchair for you know a few months or a half year yeah. or even one year, and and not including hidden disabilities and aging population. So we're talking about according to United Nations that approximately 15 20 percent of the world populations are disabled. Right, we're talking about one billion people in the world, and that's a lot of people. So then we start thinking this is not you know we can actually create a bigger impact than we expected if we can solve a problem of accessible living for people with disabilities and their friends and family, because inclusive solutions generally benefits all. So that's a, a kind of overall kind of introduction to myself and what City Masters and, and the visions that we're trying to achieve is to help that 1 billion people in the world to access the digital products and services in the way that they need it and the, info, the relevant information that's personalized to themselves that it has value add for their daily lives. Wow, thank you. I think me and Hesam just listening and you know the numbers and the stats, it's that's a lot of people and it's I wanna say sad that we design system, infrastructure, public transport, but we don't actually think about, as you mentioned, fourteen to fifteen million of people that are impacted. And I mm-hmm. guess as an observation, I'm a bit frustrated that you said 2018, so this is very recent that you thought, actually, I need to do something about this because no one else is doing it. 
So obviously a super congratulation on your idea because it was well needed, but also I guess a frustration is taking this long and yourself to come in to say we need to do something about it. Yeah, I, I must I must admit, right, there are already solutions out there trying to solve the same problem as what City Master set out to to solve. I there are already you know companies and non-profit organizations that trying to portray those information as relevant to the wheelchair users, for example. But a lot of this information and organizations are doing really well in terms of you know, getting out there and gather this information and provide this information for the needed population. But the scale and the speed of its products, if you like, yeah. seems to be hindered by the fact that the business ecosystem surrounded by serving this niche of people, it's not there. For example, a lot of organizations are doing amazing jobs and doing really well, like WellMap, for example, providing millions of data points for wheelchair users. But they are non-profit organization, really rely on sort of donations or, or kind of grants, fundings from government. And the speed, that's what I meant by the business ecosystem surrounded by non-profits, for example, it's just not there to enable organizations, amazing organizations, like nonprofit organizations to really scale their impact and what they set out to do. Now, I think you guys probably aware of this social enterprise concept where business is combining purpose-driven visions with profitability in order to really enable that scalable and systematic impact. That's where I think where CityMass is set, it, set itself apart from, not apart, when I said the difference of way how it operates and we're hoping to have that global systematic impact for the products and services that we have to serve that one billion people in, in the world so at the moment is it purely rolled out in london yeah so actually our platform the mobility map platform it's a global platform what that okay. means is that people with various different disabilities can go on our platform which is demo.citymass.io where they can type in any location in the in the world, including you know the US, Australia, Japan, South America as well, in terms of the accessibility information before they travel. What that means is that for any places of interest, for example, which users, they can type in a location or name of the shop or organizations they want to go to, yeah. and then they should be able to find whether they are wheelchair accessible for them to, before they even think of making a visit, right? Gotcha. So from that perspective, it, it's a global platform where people can discover the accessibility conditions at a global level. And is it, so is it different layers to it then? So you've got one that is accessibility points. Yeah. Is it one regarding um, the, tra the travel? Yeah. yeah. So if and I is... unravel, so if I delve into more detail in terms of city mass product, there's a, a few the, the vision is to improve accessible living, right? So how do you improve accessible living? And I think information is a very key point. And information at the time that's needed is also very key. And information that is relevant to that individuals at the time that they need it is utmost important. And what we're proud of is our product and services able to achieve that, not only able to achieve that global impact, but also the digital inclusion piece where enabling people with different impairments to consume the information they need at the right time that's relevant to their needs. 
I think that's that's our unique selling point, if you like, and compared to a lot of other organizations out there. And it's something that we are very proud of. It's something that we work very tirelessly, tirelessly uh, with the team to perfect our machine learning algorithms and, and many, many other things on top of it. But yeah, if that sort of answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. And to be fair, I wanted to put a spotlight more on, you know, what you do, what CityMath stands for, because I don't think you give yourself enough credit for what you've done and what amazing vision that you have. Um, that's why I was pushing you to tell me more about City Mass and for the audience because I think we need more people like yourself, not just in the entrepreneurship world, but just a society. You know, you mentioned mm. you've you you know you came from China, you've settled in two degrees, which put in you know me and Hassan to shame. <laughs> we, we barely got you know our own individual in, in degrees, and then you know you had a stable job in the financial sector so if did you decided to quit your job and then take on the entrepreneurship and you know the new mission of city mass or are you juggling hmm. both it, no it's a good question it's a very good question i think i'm actually came i came from an entrepreneurial background if you like family background where all my families and siblings are had their own business and you know to some degree of success as well so i always know that i'll be one of my business at some point but, you know, as you mentioned, when you set on a stable job and, you know, the pay is, is great and, and you sort of go through the sort of rat race, if you like, I you call it rat race, where yeah. you basically go, go to your work, do your job, come home, have your life. It wasn't satisfied enough for me from the kind of uh, family backgrounds that I came from. And how I sort of, I, you know, we sort of hustle and do an on-site business while we were uh, me and my co-founder, by the way, when I was in me, that when we were in, in the financial service sector and knowing that one day we'll be doing this full time for sure. And I guess what really pushed me to quit what I was doing and do City Mass full time is really kind of personal reasons at a year where I realized, really realized the life very short when I, I lost my second child and my grandma passed away very close to that i think when human beings sort of came across this kind of emotional states of shock of things that they can't really explain and things happened that they wish never happened and that's that's kind of emotional pushed off for me to really decide to do something that i will enjoy for start because if you're doing anything that you don't enjoy it uh, it won't last long and secondly to do something that potentially you know, I can leave legacies and and have an impact for the world, for the and a positive impact in the world. So that's that's when I actually quit uh, my full time job in banking and move on to Sitmas. I think Rene, I, I speak on behalf of both of us. So sorry if you're lost. And it's we had goosebumps listening to it because, and you already know because we talked about it very briefly. I went through similar sort of emotions that you went through uh, on obviously in a different scale because you know losing mm -hmm. a child is it, different but mm -hmm. you know you mentioned that emotional push and life is too short and leaving a legacy behind they mm -hmm. are probably the three words i've used several times when 2018 we lost our older brother and mm -hmm. it, it was exact same thing where i felt the need that i need to share his story and who he was and make mm -hmm. sure his name and who he was is never forgotten. But what got me down and wanted to write um, 
a very emotional raw story about my brother was that mm. emotional push was that loss and i think it, it in a way it became part of my part of our um grieving process through yes. that journey mm. and i don't know about you i feel like you know podcast being one of the branches it's his you know that fire that he created uh, that emotional um strength that he created in me and Hesam I feel like it lives through us and the more I do and the more I achieve and the more I help people I feel like the more I'm in a really cheesy way making my older brother happy because that's what he wanted to do when he was around do you tap to that sort of raw energy in your situation when you go in through ups and downs that's a very good question I mean you know grieving is an emotional that I don't wish anybody to have but everybody at some point they would have yeah but I just didn't expect it happened that way I didn't expect it and I think that was I think the sort of emotions I'm I'm not sure I'm ever gonna get over what I was grieving for because I didn't have the answers in my head and I'm not normally a very logical person it sort of makes sense to me then I understand it, but it didn't, and I, I think it, it doesn't still. So I, I sort of just carry that through me. And and if you're saying that you use that energy or that sort of drive as a push off doing something that makes sense, actually, when you look at look around the world, a lot of times, lot what's happening doesn't make sense. So for example, right, the aging populations that we're living at at the global scale. Um, and yet the transformations around the assistance to accessible living is still hugely behind. And that didn't make sense to me. And that's one of the, the sort of drive behind City Masters as well. And to, to some degree, to sort of make sense of it. And, and, and I think, you know, what really carried me through ups and downs, in, and I tell you, when you embark on an entrepreneurial journey, <laughs> The amount of ups and downs that you have, it, it is incredible. The, the, the celebration of success and, and also the sort of, uh, you know, learning from the failures are incredible. The tremendous kind of emotional journeys that you go through, mm. a tremendous amount of learning that you have from everything you do, you know, especially when you're a startup that you involve in every aspect of a business as well. So I think what really got me through the ups and downs and it's really the excitements of learning and making sense of the things of our world, if you like. Now that sounds really conceptual if I turn that into more specifics. Uh, in our team, we really cherish the experiments culture. Um, what that means is that, you know, if you're doing something, if you were to embark on a project, we do a lot of experiments to confirm our assumptions, to make sense of you know, current states of play and then sort of experiments the future, if you like, yeah. um, in a way that you sort of do a small kind of prototype of the assumption that you made, see if it works, then you sort of, and then you embark on the journey for the whole, you know, product management and developments and deployments and all of these things. So, yeah, it, it's very exciting. Um, I was going to say, you know, I think public transport is difficult for anyone as cities get bigger in the future and this is needed even more now because anyone who uses london public transport uh, Mm. for a normal person it's a painful if you're new and you Mm. don't know your way around so i can't imagine the feelings or the how they feel of using public transports if you are disabled yeah yeah Yeah. um 
because we're not from London. Every time we go there, it's mm. you get it's lost. A, it's a maze, times. isn't it? Yes. Um, so it is amazing to see that we, there are businesses like yourself trying to solve this problem. The question I was going to ask is, how important is it for more businesses using technologies to make a difference in like society? I, I think it's not only that it's morally right and as, as I'm making the world make sense, but also it's a business push for people to really understand the impact that their products and services have for everybody, not just the majority of people, but also for people with disabilities and their friends and families as well. So, you know, I think some organizations, a lot of the organization will have their CSR departments, you know, the corporate responsibility yeah. um, uh, departments and, and the right activities that they will focus on, whether it's environmentally um, focused, whether it's a social focus, whether it's, you know, sort of governance side of things as well. Uh, the ESG is, is, is a big agenda at the local level in each individual company, but also at a country level and at the UN upon UN levels as well. So it is very important nowadays, any business have to consider uh, the impact that they have for everybody, not just the majority of mainstream able-bodied people, but everybody, because there is a business case to do so. There are statistics and studies show that organizations that consider the environment, consider the social aspects of their products and services has higher return than those ones don't. And, and when you think about it, it's not just impacting the profit in the bottom line as well, but also impacting their talent recruitments. You know, the millenniums really understands, quite rightly so, that the importance of social impact for any business they have, because that, that impacts the continuity of businesses that impacts the bottom line, that also impacts their operations from a talent recruitment perspective as well. And that's just a few points I can think of. No, I think um, you touched a good point because I think I read a research which said at least 60 to 70% of millennials look at the organization as in what they stand for before applying mm. for it, um, mm. which is a push that more organizations need to have this um, approach. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're both making a valid point. And maybe I'm being... Mm. harsh here but Rene you mentioned a very uh, good point I feel some organizations and maybe it's, it's, it's shifted but some organizations they tend to focus more on the mm. numbers than uh, the people and there's a quote a good friend of mine told me many years ago is you focus on the people and the numbers will drive themselves which is you know Rene what you mentioned is the profitability actually will increase but you've got old way of thinking where it's just numbers game and numbers game and they forget as you mentioned you impact a society you actually raising your brand awareness you know mm. your your csr isn't just a tick box which i've personally seen in some organizations you know that's what it is that you know mm. we'll give a day here and a day there but actually think about what can you do to help your local community mm. and i think that's the not the missing missing piece but that will you know you said the aging population is faster than the technology is keeping up with them i think that's where the gap mm. is where you've got organizations still have the old way of thinking um yeah. and what i hope is your organizations and likes of your organizations became the leading examples to say actually if you focus on what the society wants and how you can actually help the society you're actually going to grow your brand 
and be profitable and etc 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 yeah no no i can totally see where you're coming from in terms of some of organization can see this as a tick box exercise or pr opportunities if you like yeah but for those organization like i can can almost be sure that i don't want to use the trends against them it's not a trend it's it's a necessity almost from a, a policy uh, perspective from a government policy perspective I give you one of the examples is that the web accessibility regulations require all the EU public sectors to make sure that products and services are accessible for all. That's their website have to be compliant by 23rd of September this year, and all their public sector apps have to be compliant by 23rd of June next year. So from a sort of policy perspective, government policy perspective, there is a drive for those CSR, if you like, yeah. to be part of it, part of necessity. And from the sort of branding, you mentioned points in terms of branding, in terms of reputation, you know, the world is very competitive out there, especially in the business world. Brand and reputation is almost one of the most important assets, especially for those companies, uh, those big corporations. And you're talking about in financial services, the branding could worth millions of billions of pounds, right? No, that's why they are very protective in terms of how their brands being used and associated and etc. And that that's another kind of you know makes sense because your assets branding, i.e. branding, is devaluating if you're not to maintain it or even upscale it. That that's the second piece of the disadvantage of thinking CSR is box ticking exercise. Mm. And and the third one, as I mentioned already, you know, in terms of the the sort of uh, from operational perspective, talent recruitment perspective, you know, for an organization does not have the right corporate values and the organization values, it is very difficult to carry through in a competitive environment and encourage the visions to, to realize the visions that the organization set out to do. And that's why a lot of corporates spend a lot of money, lots of money, trying to embed employees, if you like. And that's how important it is for from the operation perspective not just talent not just from talent recruitment but also enabling every single employees within organizations seeing why they're doing what they're doing and the people if an employee won't seeing why they're doing what they're doing it you loses know his purpose it, isn't it it loses purpose it loses a quality it loses yeah. its, its passion it's almost like losing its blood right you're losing your blood and you're gonna die one day right so it's as simple as that. And I think that sort of illustrates how important it is um, nowadays for business to have, you know, a mission, obviously not just a profit-driven mission, but also a mission that creates positive impact. Uh, totally. And, and a mission they can stand by and be proud of rather than a buzzword, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. with uh, technical jargons in them. I want to just do a quick recap. So we, I love the powerful reason behind of saying, do you know what, I'm going to, follow my entrepreneurship instincts and create city mass and what he stands for mm -hmm. um i love how we've exposed organizations <laughs> about mm -hmm. the the use of csr and the right mm -hmm. way of using the reasoning behind their mission of values mm -hmm. i guess the question for me is what's next for city mass obviously what you can share with you know with the audience is the next phases are they you know big and crazier plans in a pipeline that you can share with you know with us yeah, it's, or is it's it in the wraps 
there's many things going on within CityMass and uh, the team is working really hard in terms of delivering what we have in the pipeline. The sort of things I like to share maybe is that we are completely redoing our branding and we are launching our AssistMe plugin, the new version of it very soon. And AssistMe plugin, for those who doesn't know, is it's a, a digital inclusion tool where it can be embedded into any website with one single line of code, then instantly change and improve the accessibility conditions for people impairments. For example, if people are vision impaired, they can use the reader page. If people have learning difficulties, they can choose the various different fonts and sizes and spacing. Oh, so okay. that makes it yeah. easy for them to be able to read a website or order food, for example, in these pandemic environments to order grocery online. Or, you know, for the elderly have bigger courses and reading guides for them to be able to read properly on newsletters, for example. So we are launching our new versions of Sysme plugin very soon. Okay, this is exclusive, obviously. <laughs> and, <laughs> of and there was some there was some stuff in there that clearly shows I'm not technical. The use of words. I'm glad you explained what it was, Rene, because I was like, I have no idea. I'm not even gonna yeah. you know, ask a question. I think I love your drive and passion. It comes through, even though we're talking virtually. I can see and feel what CityMaz, you know, means to you. And you you went on to explain, you know, why you, you know, left the financial world and entered entrepreneurship. There's probably a lot of people. I think it's one of those things when you're younger. Uh, I'm looking at mm. some entrepreneurship is is like top. It's, it's like a dream. It's like a dream for a lot of you know younger generations. Mm. When we were younger, you know, we're no longer you know kids. It's because mm. uh, apprentice, Lord Sugar. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So mm. I think it's one of those people love to do, but they don't know how to do it, and it's almost mm. like it's like saying I'm going to be the next, I'm going to make a football analogy here and apologies. It's like, you know, me saying I'm going to be the next Ronaldo, for mm. example. But behind it, I know I will never be able to achieve that. That's what entrepreneurship feels like at times that people want mm. to do it, but they can never see themselves and find a link. So from you, you mentioned obviously, you know, your family background by yourself. If mm. you had to look, you know, look back over the years and, you know, say what are the key ingredients for entrepreneurship? but also yeah. advice to the people who want to get to that field. And I love yeah. the fact you said it's not easy, it's up and down. Um, yeah. There's been many failures, you know. Um, yeah. Just give us a bit of background about, you know, the mindset and the determination behind it. Yeah, I think being an entrepreneur requires absolutely certain mindsets. It's a journey that is a very tough journey and as a very few entrepreneur can make it. Um, to the top and then give you some statistics 80% of you know new business will fail within the next two years right so you know there's a very very few entrepreneur can actually take a venture from idea to realization to exit or to even continue growing the business at the global level and then require the determinations but also a lot of skill sets that you can learn from it, it you said mentions that entrepreneurship is kind of something that people want to do, but they don't really know how, or they don't they're scared yeah. of it because they never never done it before. You know, I, I mentioned that I have entrepreneurial background, and and it's from a family influence, and that's what from being a mother as well, trying to sort of educate my children to be problem solving and and think outside box, and and, and they come across any problems and, and trying to trying to enable them to solve the problem themselves first. And all of these things, and I think 
everybody have that solving problem skills. And it's not, it's by consistency learning, consistency in learning and doing the same thing. Same as when you were born, you learn how to crawl, you learn how to stand up, you learn how to walk. Now, that's a skill that every single baby will, you know, hopefully will learn and do. Everybody has that. Yeah. Instantly, natural human nature has that. It's about how to utilize that, how to sort of consciously think about it in a way that potentially can guide you onto entrepreneurship. And like entrepreneurship is not for everybody, for sure. People may try it and they may, they may not like it and they go back. And I think the sort of, if you ask me the key ingredients for entrepreneurship, don't be afraid to fail, but also depends on your life stages as well, I think. You know, when you have responsibilities of family, young family and, you know, educations and, you know, all the, all the kind of financial pressures on you as well, we got to really assess the sort of way to go about embarking that entrepreneurship. So determinations, kind of willingness to fail, but learn, 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 learn. People say that the kids learn so fast, but actually adults can learn so fast as well. In this environment, in this information environment where you can ask anti-Google anything, right? Anything you'll find out. You have any training whatsoever at your disposal, online or even in in the developing country, developed countries like the UK, there's many, many courses out there from the government side, from the sort of non-profit side, sort of from, you know, if you go to a science museum, the, the kids can learn from the beginning. Like there's so many aspects and tools and, and environments that enable one to learn. And I think that kind of hunger for learning and learning and apl- learning is one thing. So self-aware that this is a failure, that you yeah. learn from it, then applying experiment as the solutions that prevent the failure next time happens. And I think there's a lot of people from the second part that need some bit more practice, right? to be able to take things to the next, next level, to be able to solve that problem that you're facing, I think, is that action. I think taking the first step is a huge, is a huge thing, whether it's emotional pushed, like, like I did, or you're sort of just not afraid of taking the first step because there's no right and wrong answers in life, right? You know, you take this path and you realize that this is right path or not right path, you may change the path, but there's no right or wrong that if you take a left or take a right, a lot of times in life it's about going for it and then you yeah. make a you know assessment and decide no that makes sense um, i think the learning part is quite important cuz we live in a world where everything's on youtube or google yeah. and you could literally learn photoshop skills or even how to build a website off yeah. watching 4 or 5 hours videos of youtube it's become yeah, very easy to learn a lot of technical skills nowadays you just yeah, need to put the uh, hours and effort in. Yeah, and I think I think what I love about Runner's point is um, people, I feel like sometimes are too afraid to have that leap of faith for various reasons. Maybe not having faith in their own ability. Maybe they're worried about how they're going to be perceived. Or I think, as you said, you could fail. But mm. what I loved about listening to you is, so what? Failure surely mm. is just part of life. If you mm. tried entrepreneurship and it is not for you, at least you can say you've tried it and worked it out rather than, I guess, being too scared before even trying it. Yeah. The thing I want to pick from, you know, what you said is, you know, for you was that emotional push 
Um, so if anyone's listening out there and they're wondering, not not that I can give any advice on entrepreneurship, um, work out your purpose. You know, work out what is that, what drives you? Because I think that's a very hard question to knowing what drives you and what's your purpose. But when you do know the answer or when it comes to you, then... And again, Renia, I don't know if it's, if it's for you the same as it was for me, um, you know, with my book is you almost feel like you've got this untapped energy that you can always reach into and gives you that, you know, that push, that purpose, that drive where I gave this example. So when it came to writing a book, it took me three months to write 86,000 words. And I remember saying to Hassan, if I had the same drive and determination mm. in my career I would have been yeah. a CEO somewhere because and that's the thing I, I just never and for me similar to you is that emotional push but it's a unreserved untapped energy that just can be used and can never be turned off so for me work out the purpose what drives you you know do you want to leave a legacy behind do you want to do something but as Rana mentioned entrepreneurship is something you just got to try as if it's for yeah. you and if it's not Hassan anything from you in regards of just to before we move to Hassan yeah yeah go on yeah I think what drives you is one thing what makes you happy what do you enjoy doing absolutely because as I mentioned if you don't enjoy what you're doing it's not going to last long and you're not going to progress in this field for sure what gets your interest as well not only just what drives you but what makes you happy what you enjoy doing so it's sort of like, you know, it could be sort of a drive from the determination to solve that problem because you're excited about it, right? And I think a lot of times, both negative and positive emotion can make life-changing decisions. That's very true. That's very true. Hesam is waving me down. Do you want to well, Do you want to say, say something? No, yeah. um, no I was going to say... I talk too I think, much. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because we both talked about failing as being a part of it. And I think if we all look when we were all young and growing up, whatever we fail at and the getting up back of it and doing better is mm. really amazing. Like, you know, people who watch boxing or any sports or the underdog, when you see them like look like they're about to fail and give up and then come back. Yeah. It's quite inspiring. It is quite inspiring. And it's like that feeling that you can't, probably people can't explain. Um, so yeah. when if people are failing, I'll say, don't give up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think... I love our conversation we've had today because we've talked about entrepreneurship, we've talked about City Mass and what it stands for, but also we've questioned and put spotlight on organizations to use their, you know, their purpose for the right reasons. So mm. I think what I want to do is wrap this up maybe with a few of those points that we've we've just talked. Rene, I'd love to start with you. So if you had, I'm going to use the word golden nugget and I've used it before. If you had, mm. you know, one advice for each, you know, one for organizations, one for you know, people, the younger generations that want to get into entrepreneurship. I know we've talked about it, but what would be your key one? Um, I'm going to have some ask you the same, and I'm going to try and come up with something that you guys haven't mentioned last uh, to wrap it up. Mm. So, Renny, I'll, I'll let you go first. What would be your your key advice for organizations out there? Or your yep. key advice for uh, people? Maybe also something about 50 under 50 for, you know, the BAME uh maybe something specifically for the BAME um, audience as well, because I do feel like sometimes there are external and additional challenges being a BAME, um, you know, living in the UK. So maybe we can focus on that point as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
I think for organizations, I would say focus on that social or environmental impacts, or even not to contribute to negative of social or environmental impact. It's also a good starting point. It's not only the right thing to do, but also have businesses case and will provide competitive advantage for your organization over others. For younger generations that I would say that who would like to embark on entrepreneurship is find that something makes you happy, enjoy doing and trying to learn and, you know, to problem solve. I think it's a natural instinct for any human beings, but it's a matter of actually the ability to harness that enjoyment that you do and the drive that you have to solve that particular problem into a more structural way and self-aware of what your deficiency in, as in what you need help with, work with, create a environment and sort of networked around you to help guide you through the things that you're not very good at. And it's very important to know that not everybody's good at everything. So learning is a massive, massive key point from the people who are good at what they're doing. For the sort of underrepresented underrepresented founders, from my perspective, um, I'm a female founder. I'm also originally from China, so I'm sort of taking two boxes here. That I think that the whole business ecosystem is changing. It's become more diverse. It's become more aware of the underrepresented um, founders from that perspective. The VC venture capitalist environment is changing from a funding perspective. So there is a movement from the underrepresented founders to tap into and not don't be afraid to really sometimes use your ethnic group as advantage as well. And there was many programs out there to support the underrepresented founders. So be open to network, be open to learn, be open to be connected. And I think, you know, it will be, will be good to start. Oh, I love that. Hesam, I'm going to let you go next. Um, I'm just going to do the younger generation. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, you've skipped other two? Yeah. Because okay. uh, <laughs> I think uh, Rene covered them off quite well. So I think for the younger generation, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to say don't be afraid. Um, even if it's like going to a job or doing a degree or even starting entrepreneurship. Just don't be afraid. Um, just do it. It's like being on a roller coaster. You pump yourself up, being afraid while going up, and then once it's all finished, you realize how amazing it was. Um, that's what I'll tell people. Just your career is like a roller coaster. Wow, good analogy. And I'm trying to think on the spot. And you know, Rene mentioned all the good points. You've used analogy. Uh, what do I come up with? I think for me, um, organizations. I think Rene mentioned. You know, realize, focus on the people and not the numbers. That'd be my um, advice for the organizations. For the younger generations, similar to what the guys already mentioned, is know your passion, know your dream, follow it. But the reality is, I think failure makes us stronger and tougher and adds resilience. So I might be criticized for this, but it's good to fail because it sets you up to be better and more humble when you grow up and you actually become successful so that'd be my advice for that one and if i go specifically for the you know the bame community that you know we all represent i'm not going to say the journey isn't going to be easy because there are external challenges but as Renny mentioned they've been recognized and we talk about it a lot more openly but what i would also say is 
don't let that stop you. Don't let other factors, don't let other external factors be the blocker. Yeah, there will be challenges and there will be hurdles, but why don't you be the person to prove them wrong, to be the first one in your organization, in your community, in your family, to lead the way for others. The more people we have from a BAME community doing the right stuff, the positive changes in a society, the more you're going to pave way for others. And that'd be my advice for the BAME community. How was that? I think that was good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think this probably leads us to simply thank you, Renee, for your time today. We have personally found your conversation really fascinating about not just what you're doing, the purpose behind it, and the fact that there's commonality of what drives you and what drove me you know, to, to write a book. I find that really interesting. And your advice for the, the audience out there. What we will do, obviously, Renee, we'll put the link into the bio and i just simply want to thanks for your time today and for those listening go check out what one is doing and go support her and look out for the big changes on city mass and i'm sure bigger and crazier projects from Renee. thank you so much for having me really enjoy talking to you guys keep up the good work and looking forward to to listen to your next podcast as well thank you so much Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.